boy, when, when you're doing the remote things and even in hybrid environments, calling into a, a conference room or so, I think the just that, yep, video is kind of expected. And now, I, I will say that the whole, you know, Zoom fatigue, Teams fatigue is real. Uh, and there's there's definitely no question of all right when there's when there's an external call that I'm like oh you know what I know they're not gonna be on video Whew. stand up walk around take the you know pace around the office while I'm on the call I mean that there's a balance all of the the darkest days I had all of the fears of oh my gosh is this is this ever going to get better those types of things he has been the kind of the rock and the support for not only me but for for the rest of our executive team and, and set that tone for everybody else, you know, uh, on down. Welcome to the Change Agent Podcast. My name is Nathan Lesnowski. I'm Concurrency CTO, and I'm here to have great conversations with a great person about change and technology. This podcast has been running. We've had great guests. We've talked about fintech. We've talked about the change of manufacturing, the transformation of app dev and security, about changing payment processing. So many awesome topics. And this is a great way to kick off the new year by talking about change and especially what happens to an organization when the rug is pulled out from under you and you got to figure out what to do. So I got a great guest today. It's Sam Hilgendorf, and he's the CIO of Fox World Travel. And he's going to have a conversation with us today about what you do with your business to respond to adversity and do something with that adversity in a positive way. So welcome, Sam. Pleasure. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Nate. This is uh, I've been excited for this. I, I've been, watched the the previous uh, change agent CTOs. Some of the guests you've had are just phenomenal folks, and you know, glad to be part of it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here. So let's talk about the travel industry. You know, we've had a pretty yeah. rough couple of years, and Travel is one of those things that really went through a rough patch, shut down, turned back on again, shut back down again, turned on again. You know, what did that look like for you guys and how did you respond? Yeah, it's it's been honestly, it's been an amazing adventure. Uh, I would absolutely say it's a uh, it's been a master's class in crisis management. <laughs> um, you know, as uh, you know, technologists deal with crisis regularly, you know, things go down. Uh, but, you know, never to the at least for me, never to the level of what we've seen, obviously, with uh, with the, the pandemic over the last couple of years. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit of background on, on who Fox is, uh, what we do, and then talk a little bit about kind of what what took place in, in March of, uh, of 2020. Uh, so, so background. Uh, so Fox World Travel, uh, we are a, a travel management and vacation planning organization. Uh, we're 60 years old, uh, privately held, family owned, um, you know, been serving the, the Wisconsin area from a vacation travel perspective, you know, all 60 years. And then, you know, really for about the past 40 or 50, supporting, you know, corporate travel uh, organizations uh, across the, the U.S. Uh, so, you know, the, the two different lines of business for our corporate customers, you know, basically we support them and their travelers uh, through, you know, travel planning, uh, disruption management. So if I get stuck at an airport, what do I do? Where do I go? You know, things like that to ensure that travelers have a have a safe journey to where they're going. Yep. Uh, and on the, the program side or the the corporate side is being able to help with travel budgets, supplier agreements, you know, the uh, any on-site services that they're looking for. So like meeting planning, incentive trips, uh, and then providing duty of care for travelers so that, you know, the organization knows, all right, if there is a, a situation in a city, I know if I have any travelers in that city, in that hotel, 
know, things like that. So that's the kind of the core of, of that business. Uh, the other bit of our business comes from vacation travel planning. So it's, it's everything from planning that, you know, all-inclusive trip down to, to Mexico to, you know, taking a two-week, you know, European vacation to see everything from, you know, Italy to Spain to France, you know, et cetera, uh, and those kind of those once-in-a-lifetime trips. So that's what we do, uh, and that's what we've kind of done over the last uh, 60 years. Prior to COVID, we did about 500 million, a little over 500 million in total sales, um, and had an organization of uh, about 350 or so uh, so f- uh, folks. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, March of uh, of 2020 hit, uh, and and really within about two weeks of time, we saw that top line sales number drop by about 90 percent. Ouch. Uh, and and yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, I remember joking back then. I'm like, boy, you know, organizations go out of business when they see a 10 to 15 to 20 percent drop. And here we are. We're going to work off of a 90 percent reduction and we don't know for how long. Um, so so that that really has been uh, been an experience for us. Um, and, you know, fortunately, we kind of went into it with a little bit of planning. A little bit of all right, expecting something to happen. You know, travel has never been immune to to external factors. You know, when nine eleven took place, all travel got shut down for a matter of days, uh, and it lasted. You know, the impact was three four months of all right. Are, do folks feel it's safe to get on a plane again or not? Um, you know, in two thousand eight two thousand nine, in the the global you know Great Recession, you know, travel was one of those first expenses to be cut from from organizations. So we know travel can be can be heavily impacted by whatever external external factors. So one of the first things that we did was we, we kind of started putting together what we called our recession plan or our black day plan, which was, all right, when something comes, what are the steps that we're going to take, you know, to, to work through that, uh, that plan? And that was kind of first, one of our first steps in kind of the change management uh, that was going to come that, that we learned that was going to come with COVID. Uh, and, and so that, that putting together that plan, I mean, we, we basically color coded expenses, color coded line items, A, B, C, D, you know, different levels of, of impact and things like that. And kind of had a lot of stuff, you know, kind of played through. And you had this. And done, we found that you had this done prior to COVID. So it's probably about nine months prior to COVID. We started down the path of this, which was, I mean, talk about fortuitous that we yeah. actually had put some thought into it before the impact. Uh, so as we worked through those those lists, uh, basically, when COVID hit, it came right out. We started down the path of it, and uh, and we moved from step A through step D in about ten business days. Uh, which was which was amazing. Um, you know, one of the one of the first pieces of that was we had to have a philosophy. We had to put together our, what are we what are we going to believe in? What are we going to do uh, as this goes? Because we, we don't know what the next impact is. We don't know how it's going to roll. We're going to have to adapt. But what is that that kind of that core philosophy that we're really going to kind of hold on to? Uh, and, and for us, that was it. Really focused around uh, our associates. Uh, so, I mean, uh, our philosophy was we're going to keep our Fox family in place for the recovery. One of the one of the unique things of, of this of this change of this crisis was we didn't lose customers. We didn't. Our our demand basically was it, this is a temporary thing. Now, how long is temporary? You know, is it going to be three months, six months, nine months, four years? We didn't know that. But we knew those customers were all going to have the same needs or similar needs when we actually got out of it. So we couldn't make drastic changes to our business to just cut costs mm-hmm. to meet the, the bottom line right there and 
get to break even. We had to have the ability to kind of recover as as we went along, if that makes sense. So this this philosophy really starting with our, our Fox family is kind of what held us through as each difficult decision kind of came through and as, as each step of the way progressed, how we kind of managed that. Uh, and it helped us really explain the why for each step, knowing that, all right, this is this is really what this is all going to kind of come down to for us. You hit a really huge point there, which was to understand your philosophy. Because mm-hmm. a lot of different businesses responded in a lot of different ways. And by knowing what you believed in, that then lets you infer from that how you were going to make choices. And I think you also hit a really interesting point where you're talking about you couldn't just take it all apart in a sense that mm-hmm. your customers were still your customers. They are buying less, but they're still your customers in this this machine that you've built, this set of IP and capabilities and ability to execute for those customers. You can't just take all that apart and expect to be able to rebuild it later. You have to have that continue to operate and then build a model around it. So, so how did you then take that state of, all right, we know that we were able to remove these things and we have this machine that's running, but it's, it's running not at full capacity and then adapt to the new ask from the customers. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, I mean, those were a lot of the toughest decisions. Uh, and, and like you said, the, the philosophy really carried us through with a lot of that. I mean, we we got into the discussions of do we do a permanent layoff? Do we do we make those cuts? Do we do something different? Um, and, and again, keeping our Fox family, having that line took every one of those really uncomfortable mm-hmm. discussions and centered us back to, all right, we've got to be able to find an alternative that isn't just a, a layoff out of the, out of the gates. Mm-hmm. We've got to be able to do something different. And, and really, one of the the first things that we got to was we we did furloughs with folks, um, and, and we went to our our kind of organization, talked across all different teams. So from our agents to you know, our technologists to our sales folks across the board, and said, "Hey, here's where we're at. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a furlough schedule." Uh, and and that furlough schedule went anywhere from you know uh, one week a month that you were you were off not working to three weeks a month. Um, you know our our frontline agents they took the brunt of that that three weeks so they were they basically worked one week uh, so we were able to scale back the seventy five percent but still keep people employed. Yeah. Now I I tell you one of the things that we had that was absolutely a gift at the time was we had you know, the federal response with the PPP program, with the unemployment support, all those types of things. So we could do this furlough with, you know, knowing that so many of our, our team members, while not not whole by any stretch of the imagination, we're still seeing some level of, of financial support through the, the course of this. But again, having that philosophy and being able to say, hey, here's my assets, here's my tools, here are my, here are my uh, the things I can use, allowed us to to take that step and, and quite frankly retain folks through the the whole the whole experience yeah i mean what you're saying there um to some people may feel like a negative thing right mm-hmm. it may it may feel like oh like you did a furlough or whatever but in reality i think what you did was something that was really honest and cared for the people that you were connected to within the fox family and did what you could. Um, and, right. and I think that response was very thoughtful and it represented the, the extent to which you really cared to keep everyone as part of the Fox family. So I know that must've been really difficult 
And it also had to be very intentional of a process that you went through. So I can really appreciate, you know, where, where you were having, how you were having to respond. Yep. And it was, it was, it, I mean, we felt, we felt miserable. I mean, it, it, I can tell you it, throughout my career, I'd never had decisions as difficult as, as those yeah. in that, that time. Um, one of the things that made, made a huge difference, I think for allowing this to be as successful as it is and in, in getting us to the point where we're at is we tied some communication steps with it that, that honestly be, have now become just the norm for us in a, in a positive byproduct. So our CEO, as we went into this started all right, I'm sending out a weekly email to the entire organization. Here's where things are at. Here's what's on my mind. Here's what we're seeing. So as we got to those decisions, there was so much transparency around. Mm -hmm. Here's what we're seeing, feeling, thinking that folks knew what the state of the business was right. uh, and continue to know the state of the business. And that's something that stuck. I mean, we still, you know, he still sends out a weekly update uh, to everybody. And here's where things are at. Here's the, the, the good stuff that's happening. Here's the success stories to tell. Here's what we're hearing from the industry, you know, pundits in other places. So it's just a different level of communication that's evolved from this. Uh, you know, it's, it's something I took a, the lead with as well. And I do a, a weekly update to our entire tech organization, uh, you know, as we've gone along a little bit more of just the operational metrics. Here's where things are at. And, and uh, as we complete projects, as we deliver things or as, as a, a team member or a team members step up and, and really go above and beyond, it's a great way of just recognizing, hey, the, the heroics that are happening uh, each day. Uh, and I, I've learned I, I close out everyone with, uh, you know, some music video, uh, some, you know, music that I've been listening to over the course of the, the, the week. And it's just another way of, all right, you know, a great way to end the week of, of you know, listen to some sort of kind of pump you up, fire you up uh, uh, music. And, and, it's, and that's turned into you know, a way to kind of just keep the org galvanized as we've we've all gone through this together. You know, we've all been both personally impacted by COVID in so many ways, uh, but then also to have your your you know business organization impacted. You know, recognizing how we're all we're all in this together uh, in in so many ways, and in that just that communication and transparency to be able to show those things has made such a difference. So. Um the galvanization that you did and the extent to which you were able to really keep the band together in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. How did you then have to change the way you interacted with your customers to address what became a different set of needs that emerged from the pandemic? I can imagine like, I mean, yep. do they, do they, uh, what, what, do I, what do I need from a vaccination status to get to this country and back out of it? What do I need? Can I even go to this place? You know, what is, what's open? You know, what kind of, what did that new engagement look like and how is it different from what you did before? And like, how did you navigate yep. through that? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's continually changing. Uh, every time we think it's kind of like, all right, it's settled out a little bit it changes again. Uh, you know, Omicron has definitely created another cycle of, of change with this as Delta did before, you know, as previous. We're, we're, we're definitely seeing and feeling that the the traveler experience and what a traveler expects from a, a, an agent in a support, uh, you know, support for travel is changing. You know, previously it would be, you know, I only really engaged with my, my agent if I dealt with disruption or my initial planning. Uh, but now it's like, hey, I'm, two days out from traveling, I saw this goofy thing on the news. Am I going to be impacted by this? Do I have to do something different when I arrive at the airport? And their expectation is that the agent knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, knows what the current CDC guidelines are, knows what the current state of, 
of you know what's expected at, at an airport in New York versus an airport in Chicago versus Madison, you know what those things all are. So that that traveler is expecting more and more from what the 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 agent provides, and and we've had to adapt to that because it's you know so much of it is still we're there to support that traveler through through those times. At the same time, you know traditional travel business models are very much built off of transactions. You know, our suppliers charge us a transaction fee for every ticket that goes in, all the the automation behind those tickets. You know, every every uh, step along the way, there's a transaction fee. And that's, you know, typically how a, a travel agency charges customers. Well, transactions are still down. You know, we're at 50, 60, 70 percent of what our transactions were in 2019, but yet there's a higher expectation for services. Mm -hmm. So now it's this new kind of, all right, well, what's the future of, you know, our organization from a, a financial model, from the services aspect to, you know, the customer experience side? And, and that is going to really be, I think, the, the next change that we have to evolve with you know, over the course of this, you know, next, whether it's 12, 18, 24 months or so. Interesting. Interesting. So did you have to do a lot of upskilling to help people to be able to navigate that? Um, I asked because, I mean, you mentioned it's, it was transactional before, right? It was like, you want to go on a mm -hmm. Disney vacation? Great. I've got the Disney vacation package for you. And here it is. Are you corporate yep. jet? You know, you got to get all these people. Cool. I, I know how to do that. It's just coordinate and go, coordinate and go. Now it's, you need to understand the protocols at location one, two, and three. You need to know that now Colorado has a mask, indoor mask policy. And when you get on a ski lift, you still need to wear the thing or the mask over your face. You know, there's, there's these different things you need to be aware of. What was the upskilling process and change that you needed to go through to get your people ready to engage that way? Yep. So, so a lot of it, it started with, all right, what, how do we get them the information? You know, where, where can we source the information? First off, that's up to date and accurate. And then how do we get that in front of them so that they have an easy tool to kind of get in, get out, you know, understand. So, so we, you know, we've got travel partners that have been able to consolidate and bring that, that stuff together so that, you know, in the agent then getting trained to, all right, here's how you gain access to these, these things. Uh, but, you know, the, the also just having the conversation, it was a very different conversation there. So, you know, there's, absolutely the education side on on agents and right how do you have this conversation those things taking place as folks were kind of in this hey i've gotten never gotten asked this question before what do i do with this you know and their managers supporting them so there's definitely been that that kind of organic of all right i'm getting asked different questions now how do i respond to this when it's when it hasn't been kind of the traditional traditional steps we've taken so it's Definitely, a, a, I used the word galvanized before, a lot of it's the different teams kind of coming together to kind of solve some, some of those problems. Um, you know, one of the, one of the really a cool, cool technology solution uh, customers needed that they, you know, none of us realized that they needed was, you know, when, when uh, COVID first hit, you had, you know, crazy amount of cancellations, mm -hmm. you know, cancellations, you know, in the, the thousands, tens of thousands, you know, for us, all done over the course of, of a couple weeks. Now, cancellations were always part of travel. You know, you'd, you'd have circumstances that would pop up. I have to cancel a flight. You know, the ticket goes, you know, into an unused ticket. And, and Nate, I don't know if you've ever tried using an unused ticket before. To, you know, it, it's, it can be a painful experience. What are the rules? How do I apply it? Yep. You know, what's the value of it? Things like that. Now, you know, so that's, that was always a, a painful manual process. 
you know, when you were dealing with, you know, a couple percentage of, of cancellations per total volume. Well, now we just hit a hundred percent of cancellations per volume. <laughs> so, I mean, millions and millions of dollars of, of residual, you know, uh, value for for corporate customers that were now sitting there unused uh so that was actually one of the one of our favorite projects over the course of this this event and and, and again keep using the word galvanized it, it brought our our business travel operations team you know, our business units and our technologists all together around how the heck are we going to solve this and, and we were able to build you know capabilities around you know if you went into an online booking tool so if you use you know we use concur um for for most things if you go into Concur, can we get Concur to allow us to use that that unused ticket? And can we build the logic in, you know, the actual transaction so that when a when a traveler books a ticket, we are able to apply a unused ticket without them necessarily realizing it. They 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 would find out when you know instead of getting presented the hey here's the credit card purchase. Yeah. No, we could just tell them hey we we found an unused ticket belonging to your organization. We're going to apply it here, and so being able to take that what was pre- previously a manual process and being able to automate it that a traveler could still do their normal behavior, but we could take those unused tickets and apply them. I mean, an awesome byproduct of this that we wouldn't have been pushed into doing ourselves if you know we didn't all of a sudden have 100% tickets canceled over the course of a week. Yeah, that's a that's a tough like that initial effort to have to get through that was the generation of the new processes to deal with the what would ultimately be a smaller spike but a higher degree mm-hmm. of service attached to that kind of scenario, right? Like necessity right. is the mother of invention in a two degree. It, it in that case, boy, was it! Yeah. Uh, and it was and it was interesting just the the working through it. And it was and again, it was a great great moment for our organization to be able to say, all right, this is this is the most important thing we could be doing right now. So, regardless of even where we're at from a sales and revenue perspective, we got to get this done. Um, just kept such a great focus, even while you know the world was kind of burning down keeping folks engaged and excited and feeling like they're making a difference uh, was, was huge right. for us. Well, I mean, you, met, you, you mentioned earlier that you didn't lose customers as a result of this. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that you kept your people engaged. You know, it's that kind of moment when the chips are down and even your business is down that when, it comes, when the economy comes back and, or the services shift and you meet those services where they need to be, that everyone remembers what you did during that original time. And that's, Mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot of what happened here. It is. It's, although I tell you, it, it it takes reminding at times Mm. because I mean, we're, we're all, we're all humans. Yeah. What have you done for me today? (laughs) Right. There's a little bit of that. Um, And, and, you know, it's, it's funny because we, when we think about, you know, when you think about the past, you think about the present, you think about the future, you have very different mindsets around these things. You look back at the past and you oftentimes remember, remember the past in a more, much a more favorable you know, perspective than, than was actually going on, going on at that time. You, know, you look at the, the, the present and it's like, all right, you know what, here's my stressors of today. Uh, and here's what I'm focused on that, that I've got to deal with right, right here and right now. And you look at the future and the future tends to be a lot more scary. And it's like, what, what can all go wrong? And you look at that, that, that future as, as, you know, possibly negatives. If, boy, if this doesn't change right now, this is really going to be bad and, and things like that. So it, there's, there's this interesting balance of you can't just focus on all the successes, but you can't also just 
let them go and not remind folks of here's what we've done together. Here's what we've been through. And yeah, this, these circumstances right now are, are challenging, but they weren't anywhere near what was challenging four or five months ago. And we got through that and we got through that successfully. And, and, you know, we enjoyed each other's company and time through that. We worked as a team, all those things. And, and we're going to continue to work as a team moving forward. So those, it, it's funny how the, again, the past, the present and the future all have to kind of come together a little bit. You can't focus you know, too much on any one, one aspect of that. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, when you think about, you, you mentioned one of these already where the tech had to change, you know, you had to respond to something and the tech changed. Where are other areas of how you had to change the platform product or technology that you engage your customers with as a result of the pandemic? Like they're not visiting the offices as often as before, right? right? So maybe there's a shift to the kind of way that they're now interacting with you versus maybe the way they were yep. before. So, so it was a couple different ways. Uh, we, we were, again, well, you know, luck favors the prepared mind. You know, we, we were fortunate enough that we had we had put a lot of, of effort into our, our cloud contact center and into our kind of our collaboration hub with, you know, Microsoft Teams, Five9, or the, the platforms we're using for those things. Um, and, and we had built those out prior to COVID taking place. So we already had solutions that had capabilities to, to expand beyond just how previously customers interacted with us. Uh, so I think a great example of this was is really around our vacation services. Uh, you know, historically, it was absolutely, you, we'd walk into mall stores, strip malls, things like that. You know, we'd have signage and come in and help plan your vacation. I sit across the desk with a travel advisor. I create a relationship with this person. Uh, and, and I work through all the logistics of that, you know, once in a lifetime vacation. Well, that wasn't an option anymore. So how did, you know, we had to replace that in, in some way, shape or form. So we were able to, to use these platforms and build out both, you know, chat capabilities and more importantly, uh, you know, the ability to do virtual consultations over video, over Microsoft Teams that, that allowed, you know, that travel advisor to still create the same relationship. Uh, you know, it just happened to be from their, their home desk. You know, but being able to still see eye to eye, read the body language when, you know, presenting with one option versus another option, what was exciting, what was like, eh, you know, I don't know if that's right for me, still being able to have that same dynamic, but in a virtual landscape uh, made a huge difference for for keeping keeping those those vacation travelers engaged with us. Uh, and, and this, again, another kind of byproduct of this is not a solution that's going to go away. This is now, you know, virtual consultations is going to be a permanent, you know, solution for us to engage with those, with those uh, vacation travelers, if they prefer that, that approach, or, you know what, if they're not within one of the metro areas that we have a branch, um, we can still, you know, offer that same service to those folks. You know, that's, that's super interesting. It reminds me of, uh, we did a podcast with uh, Nicolo Villanueva of C uh, crisis yeah. prevention. Yep. And uh, they have a similar situation where they were having to do their crisis prevention training in a virtual way when they had just so everything was normally this in-person experience. They had to adapt all that. Uh, this has a lot of that same flavor where you lose that sitting across the table from you, but maybe to a sense you actually gain something. I don't know about you, but like one of the interesting things about the pandemic and virtual meetings has now, like you used to say, have this little like virtual eye into everyone's home. Like, it's like, you're kind of welcoming them. Like, <laughs> like I see that you're an Avengers fan and you can, yep. you, and you have, uh, you know, Thor's hammer and, uh, 
the Hulk's fist and everything. And they're like, I know more about you in a sense by like being welcomed into your virtual home. And from a travel standpoint, that might almost be a little bit of a relationship benefit. I, I think so. I honestly, I've I've really enjoyed the the video experience working with team members. Uh, you know, my I've got a nine year old daughter who has made it a game of oh Sam's on a video call or Dad's on a video call. How do I how do I sneak into the into the frame and wave to everybody? Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it it are it are those those kind of personal moments of you know how the family interacts. The the just it's just a different level of of awareness and knowledge of each other as people, uh, and, and how cool that has been. I was on a yeah I was on a call uh, this morning with a with a potential you know partner, and they're out of out of India. So it's you know nine thirty at night uh, for them, and it's bedtime for their kids. And so you know he was working through kind of the bedtime cycle as we we're talking. I'm like that that's just you're not going to get that in that traditional you know just pure business to business conversation and, and how much that just changes that changes that relationship a bit yes totally i i really also appreciate that it's like normalized video in a sense mm-hmm. like pre pre-pandemic most people were in the office anyway right but yep. when you weren't in the office most people didn't turn on their video um <laughs> yeah. and now everyone does and i really i yep. I, I think that's been a when we get be- get more and more toward the hybrid or uh, high flex, as some people call it, sort of type of work mm-hmm. experience, I think it's going to be nice to have that that new alternate connection to people when they're in their home yep. office. So um, I couldn't agree more, and, and and I'm right there with you. I mean, I I've loved being on video for you know, well, doggone near ten years. Uh, the uh, so you know, been a been a very much a video pundit and and kind of like, all right, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm joining a meeting. Even if I'm the only one on video, I'm going to be the only one on video and just try to create some of that that peer yeah. pressure uh, type of thing. So when the when the you know pandemic hit, oh yeah, it was just like flip a switch and nobody thought thought otherwise. And I'm like, all right, I don't think there's any going back at this point. I think it's now, boy, when when you're doing the remote things and even in hybrid environments, calling into a, a conference room or so, I think the just that yep, video is kind of expected and now. I, I will say that the whole, you know, uh, Zoom fatigue, Teams fatigue is real. Uh, yep, yep. And there's there's definitely no question of, all right, when there's when there's an external call that I'm like, oh, you know what? I know they're not going to be on video. Whew. Stand up, walk around, take the, you know, pace around the office while I'm on the call. I mean, that there's a balance. I agree. Like it's brought freedom to the walking meeting and the, the um, you know, the, I, oh, glad I don't have to be on video because I need to eat my lunch meeting and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Very much uh, so. All right. Uh, so I have one last question for you. Um, I would love to hear about who has inspired you. Who is someone yeah. or maybe a couple someones that have inspired you to be able to look at a crisis like you engaged in that was a tough one that didn't have any easy answers to respond to it in an empathetic and effective way and then to come out on the other side with a team that was well bonded. Can, tell me about like who helped you to do that. Yeah, so so I've got I've got a couple of folks uh, in mind for that. Uh, probably the the one of the first ones was was it was really one of my first leaders as a as a consultant. So I started off my career uh, as a as a consultant. I was a router jockey. Uh, I did develop you know designed and implemented you know networks for you know folks like S.C. Johnson and Aurora and Miller Brewing and in you know those you know Milwaukee area. Uh, uh, enterprises uh so I was with a company called burby information networks that was uh you know oh sure some point, oldie but a goodie uh, there 
oldie but a goodie. Yep, uh, which was eventually uh, you know uh, acquired by CDW, and uh, you know one of my first managers there, his name's Bill Horsch, um, really was kind of the guy that took me a little bit under the under the wing, uh, and was like, all right, you know, there's there's something unique, something special about about Sam, or at least he felt that way, um, and and really taught me how to be a leader. That was that was really probably the first piece, you know, going from an individual contributor consultant, and you know, I, I definitely had that streak of a little bit of the 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 brilliant asshole uh aspect huh. to me uh and and really softening a lot of those edges and, and all right how do you interact with folks and and guide people and teach people and, and things like that um uh, he was the first uh and then so you know as i first got into to leadership um you know he had moved up to a to a senior leadership role but still was kind of that mentor and coach for every time there was a there was a business crisis within you know within our branch within our teams he was the person that was like, all right, here's what I'm thinking. Where am I off? Reel me back in, you know, things like that. So, so a lot of that, especially that empathy side, um, really came from from him at that at that point. Um, and, and I think then the the second person is quite frankly, you know, our, my current leader, the the CEO of uh, of Fox. Um, you know, he's he's also the you know primary stakeholder uh, owner of Fox, and and how he's led through all of this pandemic. So all of the, the darkest days I had, all of the fears of, oh my gosh, is this, is this ever going to get better? Those types of things. He has been the kind of the rock and the support for not only me, but for, for the rest of our executive team and set that tone for everybody else, you know, on down. And, and knowing that, I mean, he's, he's had just as many of those those nights where it's like oh my god is 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 anything going to get better but to always have that you know what i i gotta be the rock here and i've got to be that support uh in those things and just shown me how how what what really leadership in crisis is all about knowing that i mean at the end of the day we you know we, we all have roles we all have jobs and things like that i mean he's got the the biggest risk of the organization with you know the entire organization you know, they're responsible for. Yeah. Uh, so those those are really been the two. When I think about crisis management and learning how to be a a, a good leader, the the two different uh, different folks that have really kind of helped define that for me. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. And I I really appreciate you being so transparent about the challenge that the organization went through, how you were engaged in responding to it, and the ways that you took the took it to the next level as a result of what you had to do. So thank you so much for sharing and being part of the podcast today. No, I really appreciate it, Nate. This was a this was an awesome time. Awesome. And thank you to our listeners. We will see you next time on the Change Agent Podcast. 